Cue and Review, celebrating 40 years of audio production, welcomes you to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times Sports Podcast, recorded from our studio in the Bishopbriggs Media Centre and by our volunteers working from home. Keep up to date with Cue and Review news via our Facebook, Twitter or Instagram at Cue and Review, that's at sign C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W or get in touch with us directly by emailing information at qreview.com that's I-N-F-O-R-M-A-T-I-O-N at sign C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W dot C-O-M or by calling 0141-772-3976 Please like and share our podcast and give us constructive feedback. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 11th of April 2023, from the sports section, Brian Loudrup calls out Rangers trio for poor Celtic display by Aidan Smith. Brian Loudrup has called out three Rangers players who he reckons are not up to the task of defeating Celtic at the weekend. The Highwatch legend believes Ryan Kent, Todd Cantwell and Malik Tillman were all off the pace in the Derby fixture and he has now called for improvement ahead of the Scottish Cup semi-final at the end of the month. He wrote in his Daily Mail column, I thought Beale got his tactics right at the weekend. He couldn't legislate for the huge defensive errors that cost the team the game, nor Kevin Clancy's decision to rule out that Alfredo Morelos goal. It should have stood. With a high-energy approach from the start, Rangers were really good out of possession. The problem, however, comes when your attacking midfield players like Ryan Kent, Malik Tillman and Todd Cantwell are better without the ball than with it. You didn't see any of these three take the game into their own hands. Not much was created from open play. More will be required at Hamden. Or maybe even a tweak to personnel. If Beale can get a match, can match that front foot energy to a bit more of a creative spark, then we're talking about a Rangers team with a good chance of winning the semi-final. Saturday was a little step forward, but it still wasn't enough in the end. Loudrop then continued. While Tillman went into the game in great form after his recent goals, the tempo of Derby matches still causes him an issue. He is so laid back in his approach that sometimes you want to give him a bit of a shake. He's still very young, let's not forget that, but he can't quite connect with the craziness yet. It's a shame because he's got the potential to be a maxwinger for sure. In his favour, Tillman was good in stopping McGregor from building play. That was obviously important. Cantwell also got through a power of working his first old firm start, but we didn't see much incisive passing from him at all. Again, I think he was so focused on what he had to do off the ball to help the team. Then there is Kent. With his experience, he's the most frustrating of the lot. We all know he can be a class act at times, but there's still this funny feeling that he's missing something. You don't expect him to score 20 or 25 goals in a season, but you need more, and you have to make a comparison to a player like Jota in a similar role at Celtic. The Portuguese winger has 13 goals and 11 assists across all competitions this season. Those are good numbers for a winger. With the ability Kent has, this is the kinds of numbers he should be around. But he isn't anywhere near it, at least not not when it comes to scoring. The Ibis player has 3 goals and 10 assists overall. Is it enough? Loudrup was, however, impressed by the performance of Nicholas Raskin in the middle of the park. He added, To me, Nicholas Raskin took to his first all-firm start like someone who had been involved in the fixture for many years. When you think about Rangers in the future, you, can picture them, you can't picture the midfield without him in it. The 22-year-old Belgian has put down a marker earlier in his Ibert's career. That's important. Saturday was a big test for him in a very hostile arena. He stood up to it. I don't think he deserved to be on the losing side. You often wonder about how relatively new guys will react to an old firm occasion. Some can shrink. Some can be over-motivated and get themselves into trouble. I've seen both happen. Raskin got involved with a bit of a shoving match with Callum McGregor at one point and picked up a yellow card, but it was just a case of him not backing down. His temperament was good. Rangers were a lot better in midfield than in the League Cup final loss, 
and Raskin was a big part of that development. He had been out for four weeks through injury, but the absence didn't show in his play. I liked his energy, his ability to pick out a pass under pressure, and to turn away from opponents. Those are the games that you can make proper judgments about Rangers players. Raskin certainly looked like someone who can thrive under the expectation. The Ibrox manager now needs a few more to follow Raskin's lead and really stepping it up. And that report was by Aidan Smith. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 11th of April 2023, Sport. Celtic call to Alistair Johnson left Ange certain he'll do for me. Report by Liam Bryce. It took a single conversation to make up Ange Postlecoglu's mind. From the moment I spoke to him, I knew he'd do for me, he recalled. I finished off the Zoom call and said to somebody, he's going to do well here. On the other end of the call was Alistair Johnson and, so far, he's proven the Celtic manager dead right. The Canadian right-back was named Man of the Match in Saturday's 3-2 win over Rangers and is a player seemingly custom-made for such occasions. Fast, strong, supremely confident and with the talent to match, Johnson has been a revelation from the minute he walked through the door at Celtic Park back in January. So convinced was he of his character, Postacoglu did not hesitate to throw him straight into December's derby at Ibrox, after which Johnson admitted revelling in the toxicity of it all. He loves a battle, said Postacoglu. I guess he loves these kind of games. When you try and bring in players, particularly to this football club, what I have found is that aside from their abilities as a footballer, it takes certain types of characters. He's just a winner. He's very determined to get the best out of his football ability. He's embraced the culture here and embraced the responsibility he has. You know, in four months he's had three of these games, three derbies, and I think he's excelled in all of them. No player arrives in Glasgow without pressure on their shoulders, but Johnson had the added stress of following Joseph Juranovic, a player whose profile has written considerably at the Qatar World Cup before he departed for Union Berlin in the Bundesliga. It seemingly has not bothered him one bit. Even at its unveiling at Celtic Park, there were clues as to why Postelicoglu had been so taken with by Johnson. Chess puffed out, he carried himself with obvious assuredness and spoke at length with impressive maturity for a 24-year-old entering a world of scrutiny and attention far beyond anything he could hope to experience in Major League Soccer. Signed from CF Montreal for £3 million, he has fitted seamlessly into an ultra-competitive group, playing almost every minute amid backup right back Anthony Ralston's recent fitness issues. Postacoglu is excited for what is still to come from Johnson. Josip was fantastic for us and contributed greatly, the manager said, but Alistair took on that challenge. Tony Ralston had an injury, so he's our only one, so we had to get that right, but I was really confident in him, both as a player and as a person. You know what? I think there is still more to come from him, but a big part of that is that you know that the improvement in his football will be accompanied by the fact he's just the right kind of character in a group. He's not the shy retiring type. He enjoys the battle and he's come into an environment where other guys are like-minded. We have an outstanding leader in Cal McGregor, but outside of that they all take responsibility upon themselves and nobody out there needs too much direction. They're all prepared to take things on the front foot when it's their turn, and he certainly does that. Johnson is perhaps the strongest example yet of Postelicoglu's policy of prioritising personality as much as footballing ability. He was left bemused last week by house manager Lee Johnson casually pondering when wiping the floor with the rest of the Premiership becomes too easy. You get the distinct impression he would like to ask his managerial counterpart, counterpart which aspect of being expected to win week after week seems straightforward to him. That demand is... He says why he pays such attention to the character traits he is signing. It can seem like a cliche at times, but there are numerous examples down the years when certain players have struggled to come to terms with the pressure of representing Glasgow's two biggest clubs. Some have even admitted as much after leaving. It feels fair to say getting it right in this department has been a significant factor in Postacoglu's success to date. It's hard sometimes to judge... When, when we are talking about people's character and personality, he said. But it's something I work really hard on myself. You're driven to bring in not just very good footballers, but also good people with the right kind of character. 
people who will embrace the challenges that when you play for this football club you're expected to win every single week. There aren't many football clubs around the world like that. I know people think it's easy to do, but I can tell you it's not. It's very, very demanding that every week there are those expectations and you need people who want that and embrace that. It's a big part in the type of players we're bringing to the football club. Those players have now won 29 of the last 30 Premiership matches and have not lost a domestic home game since January 2021. Few would contend to reach their maximum in Saturday's derby, yet they still managed to find a way to win. Yes, Rangers may have hammered the self-destruct button in the second half, but Postacoglu believes this is no accident his team can continue to clear whatever hurdles are put in their way. There is just a great spirit and a real strong self-belief within the group, he said. Whatever the challenge is, they'll find a way to overcome it. You don't have a run like ours if it's just about the football. It's got to be something more than that. There have been some brilliant football teams in Scotland and at this football club. But what they have done so far, in terms of performance and results, has matched that. And the only way you get to that point is if you have that spirit within the group. And that article was written by Liam Bryce. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 11th of April 2023, from the sports section. Chris Sutton admits Alfredo Morelos Rangers no-go was harsh. Report by Aidan Smith. Chris Sutton has admitted that Alfredo Morelos' disallowed goal against Celtic on Saturday was harsh, but he believes the reaction from Rangers, as a result, has been desperate. The Ibrox Club wrote a letter to the SFA to seek answers after they were denied the opening goal in the Derby fixture at the weekend, after referee Kevin Clancy had judged Morelos to have filled Alistair Johnson before poking the ball into the back of the net. Sutton can see why Rangers were upset about the call, but he feels the reaction has been over the top, as he urged Michael Beale's side to knuckle down ahead of the Scottish Cup semi-final at the end of the month. He wrote it in the Daily Record, I understand Michael Beale and James Tavernier has to sell some kind of story. This time it was, we played well and deserved something from the game if it wasn't for some dodgy decisions by the ref and a couple of errors. I get that. The Alfredo Morelos effort rolled out was harsh, but it was a 50-50 call and not deemed to be a clear obvious error by the VAR officials. But that was the first real chance they'd had in the game. There was a penalty call in the second half as well, but that would have been soft if it had been awarded to. I do think Celtic need to be careful in the wrestling in the box. Cal Starfield got punished for it against Hibs, and there were a few instances against Rangers when they were running the risk. I didn't quite get Beals complaining about handball from Jota for the second. It didn't hit his hand, and even if it did, it would have been accidental and not from the goal scorer, so the rules wouldn't have, would have allowed it anyway. It was a little bit desperate and perhaps some deflection. They can write all the letters to the SFA they like, but look at the stats. Celtic had more possession, more chances, more shots in goal, more corners. Alan McGregor had to make more saves. It was a close game, but can anyone really say Rangers did enough to win it? I'm not even sure Rangers fans would believe that. And that report was by Aidan Smith. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 11th of April 2023, from the sports section, Michael Stewart takes aim at Rangers over SFA letter. By Aidan Smith Michael Stewart has weighed in on Rangers' decision to send a letter to the SFA claiming the club's level of entitlement is incredible. The Ibrox club asked for answers from the Scottish football governing body after they were denied an opening goal against Celtic at the weekend. Rangers manager Michael Beale and the club felt they were wrongly denied a goal and they also questioned whether Celtic winner Jota handled before the Premiership leader scored in their, in their second goal in a 3-2 win which leaves them firmly on course to retain the title. The SFA have since replied with an explanation and Rangers say they are astonished by the clarification. Responding to the story on Twitter, Pundit Stewart took, took aim at Rangers as he alluded to official errors during a class versus St Johnson at Ibrox back in January. He said, Rangers level of entitlement is incredible. Writing letters wanting explanations and apologies for one perceived mistake. I must have missed the numerous other club letters this season. St Johnson must surely have done it after their game at Ibrox. In the game that Stuart is alluding to, 
Saints striker Nicky Clark was sent off before the card was later downgraded to a yellow following an appeal. Police have been called in after referee Kevin Clancy received threatening and abusive messages in the wake of Saturday's clash between Celtic and Rangers. The SFA revealed on Monday that it had referred a significant volume of threatening and abusive emails to the Police Scotland after personal and professional contact details of Clancy were published online following the game. In response, a Rangers spokesperson said, Firstly, Rangers condemns in the strongest terms any abusive match officials. We are passionate about our game, but targeted personal abuse of referees cannot cannot be tolerated. The club can confirm the Scottish FA has responded with regards to the disallowed Alfredo Morelos goal, with the response claiming the correct decision was taken. The club is astonished by this, especially given most observers, including former referees and former players, could see no issue with the goal standing. This comes following a weekend in England where PGMOL have offered an apology to Brighton and Hove Albion for the non-award of a penalty in their match with Tottenham Hotspur, alongside a pledge to review the incident. While an apology does not alter the outcome of a match, such responsibility and openness would be welcome in Scotland. And that report was by Aidan Smith. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 11th of April 2023, from the sports section, Scotland's Grant Hanley to miss bulk of Euro qualifiers due to injury. Report by Aidan Smith. Grant Hanley will miss the bulk of Scotland's Euro 2024 qualification campaign after rupturing an Achilles tendon. The Norwich centre-half started in the heart of Scotland's defence in the opening two qualifying wins over Cyprus and Spain, but he has been consigned to a lengthy layoff after suffering an injury against former club Blackburn on Good Friday. Hanley will now face a battle to get back for the remainder of the group games, which culminate with matches against Georgia and Norway in mid-November. Grant has ruptured his Achilles tendon and is having an operation this week. He'll be out for months, Norwich manager David Wagner said. Scotland also face Norway and Georgia in June in their next two qualifiers. And that report was by Aidan Smith. This is from the Glasgow Times on Wednesday the 12th of April from the sports section. Celtic homegrown player quota could influence summer transfers. This article is written by Liam Bryce. All eyes are on what looks set to be another silverware-laden conclusion to Celtic's season. Saturday's victory over Rangers all but confirms another Premiership title, an 11th in 12 years, will take up residence at Parkhead. And there remains the prospect of a treble if Ange Pastagoglu's players can find a way past their Ibrox rivals at Hampden later this month. These are days to savour, no doubt, for Celtic fans. It will not be forgotten that this time two years ago, things were very different. Rangers had halted what, for so long, felt like an unstoppable march to ten in a row. The club did not have a manager in place, and several key players were poised to leave come the summer. Pastor changed all that. The manager has been near flawless domestically, his impact on the club as a tactician and leader proving utterly invaluable. Off the pitch, his management of Celtic's squad has been just as crucial as any change he has inspired on it. The 57-year-old's high success rate in the transfer market has been well noted. He has recruited efficiently and shrewdly, tapping into markets previously untouched by a club which, for all its success in the modern era, has been prone to leaving supporters bemused with their signing business on occasion. There have been no such grumblings under Postagoglu. As the summer transfer window approaches, he will already have plans in place for the next stage of Celtic's evolution. The key word the manager has used regarding his strategy on this front has been aggressive, so much so that he has cautioned it could even be a bit startling for fans, who have seen popular figures such as Georgios Giacoumakis and Josip Juranovic be swiftly moved on when the club feel the time is right. That can be a little bit unsettling, because it may mean we have a high turnover of players, Pastagoglu said. We've got to be ready, willing and able to facilitate that. 
players leaving, and make sure we replenish that with something that is going to take us further. Postagoglu's overarching ambition has been to make Celtic a competitive force in Europe again, and their summer recruitment will no doubt attempt to galvanise that. But it will also have to reflect UEFA's requirements around homegrown talent. The governing body's rules dictate that clubs competing in their competitions must have a minimum of eight locally trained players in a named 25-man squad. There are two categories here, the first being club-trained players who are on Celtic's books for three years between the ages of 15 and 21. The second is association-trained talent, players who were with another Scottish club for three years between 15 and 21. It is stipulated that the homegrown quota can have no more than four from the latter category. At present, only eight players, the very minimum, in Celtic squad for this season meet the criteria. They are Callum McGregor, Greg Taylor, Scott Bain, Stephen Welsh, David Turnbull, James Forrest, Anthony Ralston and James McCarthy. Meeting this quota will have an impact on decisions made in the summer. For example, Mikey Johnston is set to return from a loan spell in Portugal with Vittoria Guimaraes and remains under contract until 2026. There is the possibility that he could remain, in part to satisfy UEFA's rules and his presence may be further required anyway if a speculation over a potential departure for Leal Abada comes to fruition at the season's end. Adam Montgomery will return from a loan to St Johnstone at the end of May and he could be retained, albeit as a third choice left back. Loaning him to a Premiership club suggests Celtic believe he is capable of making the step to top flight and he may yet have a chance at Parkhead. Of the eight listed above, there are four for whom you could make a realistic case for potentially moving on in the summer. Turnbull, for example, has been reduced to a bit part role and has Rio Hetati, Aaron Moy and Matt O'Reilly all ahead of him in competing for Pastikoglu's two starting number eight positions. The arrival of Tomoki Iwata has further increased competition for places in areas Celtic are already packed with quality. Turnbull will enter the final 12 months of his contract come the summer and for the purposes of European competition, Celtic would well offer him a year's extension. At 23 though, the former Motherwell midfielder likely feels he needs to be playing regular football at this stage in his career, not making cameo appearances from the bench. Welsh is another who will be considering his options. The departing Moritz Jens was rapidly replaced by Yuki Kabayoshi earlier in the season, keeping Welsh down at fourth choice centre-back. Even Kobayashi has hardly featured, though, and that does not bode particularly well for the academy graduates' playing time prospects moving forward. Forrest, meanwhile, is approaching the latter years of his career, but is another finding minutes on the pitch hard to come by. McCarthy has been nowhere to be seen for much of the campaign, and that will almost certainly remain the case, given the wealth of options ahead of him. Nobody is expecting all of these guys to be banging on Postagoglu's door, demanding they be sold come the summer, but there will be some turnover at least. Turnover that will, in all likelihood, require a focus on homegrown players. If Celtic do encounter a situation where they need to add in this area, their options are twofold. They could, of course, look to the transfer market, and will already have potential targets in mind. In the Premiership, though, there are not many Turnbulls elsewhere in the league at present. For example, young Scottish players, who could come straight into Celtic's senior squad. Situations such as this one are where the B team should, in theory, start paying dividends. But aside from Rocco Varta and Bozen Lawal, are there any youngsters standing on the brink of first team at present? There are high hopes of the likes of Ewan Otu and Ben Summers, but it may yet be too early for them to make what is a mammoth jump. 
the lack of youth prospects making their way into the first team, has not been aided by the loss of promising talents to other clubs. Ben Doak, for example, looked destined for the step up, but there is little Celtic can do when the likes of Liverpool come calling, nor when Bayern Munich swooped in for Liam Morrison and Barry Hepburn. It is a potentially troublesome situation, yet not one which will be causing too much concern at Parkhead, primarily because Postagoglu has proven himself highly effective in managing his squad. There will already be plans in place to solve any potential puzzles that may arise, and it will be intriguing to observe who fits into them and where. That article was written by Liam Bryce. This is from the Glasgow Times on Wednesday the 12th of April from the sports section. Dave King rejects £25 million Rangers bid and makes board shares call. This exclusive article is written by Christopher Jack. Dave King has rejected a £25 million bid for his major shareholding in Rangers and the former chairman has accused the Ibrox board of squandering their advantage over Celtic and undervaluing the club on the back of their recent successes. King pulled out of his agreement with Club 1872, which would have seen the supporter organisation become the largest individual shareholders in RIFC PLC earlier this year, as he labelled the proposal as futile, following a slow take-up to the multi-million pound plan. Just weeks later, American businesswoman Kyle Fox confirmed that she had withdrawn her interest in investing at Ibrox after being met with resistance from a number of key shareholders. King confirmed that the bid for his 14.22% stake in Rangers had not been made by Fox as he rejected the chance to cash in and end his financial interest in the club. And he has been left bemused at the recent issuing of shares, 4.2 million of which were allotted in February and a further 7.7 million earlier this month that he believes has undervalued Rangers. King has been a vocal critic of former chairman Douglas Park before he stepped down from the board last week and has urged successor John Bennett to adopt a fresh approach to put the interests of supporters first. King said, Since 55, the board has squandered the advantage that we worked so hard to achieve. The current 12-point gap between Rangers and Celtic clearly suggests this and has completely lost sight of the biggest stakeholder group in the club. It is the supporters, not the directors, who should be prioritised. Hopefully, the removal of Douglas will allow the board to put supporters first once again. By doing so, the board commit to ensuring there will be no repeat of this season. Like most supporters and many shareholders, I am demoralised by the continuation of the Douglas Park-led board. He was chairman at the time to look after their personal interests ahead of the club. No sooner had the board rejected a fully funded offer of new shares at 40p than they issued substantial shares to themselves at 25p. This is after previously stating that shares would no longer be issued at the low price of 25p. 25p is the price that prevailed before 55, before the Europa League final and before the re-emergence to Champions League football. It massively undervalues our club and our recent achievements. I recently turned down an unconditional cash offer of 40 pence from a group other than Kyle Fox's So, 40 pence is presently a fair price. 25p undervalues the price of the shares by almost 40%, and I wonder how the board would react if supporters asked for a 40% discount on next season's ticket prices as an equivalent. This exclusive article was written by Christopher Jack. This is from the Glasgow Times on Wednesday the 12th of April from the Sports Section. Ex-Rangers boss Stephen Gerrard details exciting manager opportunity. This article is written by Aidan Smith. Stephen Gerrard has revealed that he has turned down a number of opportunities to get back into management, both at club and international level. 
The former Rangers boss was sacked by Premier League outfit Aston Villa around November time last season. Since then, Gerard has been out of work, but he has worked as a pundit during this time. On his situation, Gerard told The Manager magazine, you have to reset, wait and be patient for the fire and the fight to return. I've been offered opportunities to manage at club and international level since I left Villa, including an exciting opportunity in an overseas league, but none have been right for me at this time. Gerard also reflected on his time at Rangers and admits his connection with the club was the perfect relationship. He continued, As soon as I came off the call with Rangers, I knew it was the right club culture for me. I immediately felt wanted and I saw the potential for me to have a genuine connection with the supporters. I've always been game for those types of risks and I knew that if I could forge good relationships with the supporters, the players and my coaching team, then we had huge potential to be successful. You don't accomplish anything by yourself, so humility and working with everyone in the club, both on and off the pitch, is incredibly important. I knew that the chairman, Dave King, had my back, that we would work well together and that he would be there to guide me as a young manager should I need it. He fully understood the situation the club was in, but we put in place a plan together, we met regularly and knew there needed to be clarity and alignment from top to bottom, with everybody pulling in the same direction. When you achieve anything though, it's a process, a journey, and no matter what anyone says, it's never about just one individual. I and everyone in my coaching staff played our part in achieving Rangers 55th title. Understandably, People often fear change, so it's really important to be able to communicate your ideas clearly. During any period of change within football, there are difficult conversations to be had. For example, when you have to tell players they aren't part of the squad moving forward. I then had the challenge of going out and convincing players we targeted that Rangers was the football club for them and that they could improve the team and keep taking the club forward. There were times when I had to take criticism, pressure and responsibility on my own shoulders to protect my staff and my players. That article was written by Aidan Smith. This is from the Glasgow Times on Wednesday the 12th of April from the sports section. Five key points Michael Beale must address before Rangers rebuild. This article is written by Christopher Jack. The Premiership hope that flickered for so long has now been extinguished. The title dreams are over for another season for Rangers. Defeat to Celtic on Saturday confirmed what had been evident for some time and the silverware will remain at Parkhead. The challenge from Rangers has been as meek as their defence of the title last term and the end of another unsuccessful league campaign cannot now come quick enough for the supporters. The final seven Premiership encounters can still be useful to Michael Beale, however, and the Scottish Cup semi-final at Hampden is a potentially defining fixture that will determine how this season is remembered on both sides of the old firm divide and go some way to shaping the narrative heading into a summer of revolution at Ibrox and evolution at Parkhead. Rangers have a maximum of nine games left to play this term. Here is what Beale must achieve and learn from them as his first season as manager draws to a close. Lift the Scottish Cup. This is non-negotiable for Rangers and for Beale. The significance of the old firm showdown at Hampden simply cannot be underestimated or understated and Rangers know that another Derby defeat will all but gift wrap a domestic clean sweep for Celtic. This is the final before the final. Falkirk or Inverness Caledonian Thistle will still have to be overcome before the trophy is presented, but whoever emerges victorious in a fortnight will believe that their name is already engraved on the Scottish Cup. This competition provided a silver lining for Rangers last term as Giovanni van Bronckhurst's side 
recovered from the self-inflicted blow of squandering the Premiership and the heartache of Seville to end the long wait for Scottish Cup success. It would prove to be a false dawn for the Dutchman, but Beale needs something to show for his efforts six months after replacing Van Bronckhorst at Ibrox and being tasked with salvaging a season that has spiralled out of control at home and abroad. Beale, helpless in the Premiership, had to shoulder much of the blame for the defeat in the League Cup final and can now ill afford another Hampden no-show. His reign has been impressive overall and there are clear positives to point to heading into his summer rebuild for the first term in charge. Now he needs a medal to back it up as a squad that haven't won anywhere near enough in recent seasons prepare for one last shot at glory together. A record of no wins from three against Celtic doesn't make for encouraging reading for Beale. If he could choose one of the remaining two to emerge victorious from, it is obvious that the semi-final would be the pick. That doesn't render the final league meeting of the season meaningless, though. Rangers have fixtures at home to St Mirren and away to Aberdeen before the top flight split and schedule for the final five matches including that clash with Celtic, has still to be revealed. Rangers should have few problems negotiating four of those outings. Indeed, the way in which they have been able to take care of business in that regard has been one of the most encouraging aspects of Beale's reign. And the wins away at Pitodry, Tynecastle and Easter Road stand out on his records so far. Until the trip across the city at the weekend, Rangers had matched Celtic stride for stride in the Premiership as the gap remained at nine points that it was when Beale was appointed in December. If it could be reduced to that level once again, it would be a positive of sorts and that is why the last of six derbies this term cannot be discounted. The record in the old firm fixtures must improve next term if Rangers are going to sustain a challenge and stake their claim to be champions. A win at Ibrox would be a small step in the right direction. There is not a topic that Beale has been asked about more over the last five months than transfers, both in and out, and those discussions, which reached a crescendo during the January transfer window, will be ramped up once again as the summer approaches. Whether it is classed as a refresh or rebuild is ultimately irrelevant. Rangers need quality and quantity and the Ibrox board must find a way of providing Beale with the funds required to put a stamp on a squad that will look very different come the return to pre-season in early July. The situations regarding Ryan Kent and Alfredo Morelos have dominated the agenda for so long and supporters will be relieved when resolutions are found and made public. There are others, such as Alan McGregor, Ryan Jack, Stephen Davis and Scott Airfield, who have yet to have their futures confirmed as the debates continue over whether they should be part of the plans going forward. There are also calls to be made on a handful of squad players. Can, for example, Kimar Roof finally be relied upon, given his injury record, and what does the future hold for the likes of John McLaughlin, Philip Hellander and Rabbi Matondo? In terms of assets, now is surely the time to cash in on Glenn Kamara. Beale has expressed his belief that Rangers will be a rejuvenated outfit come the end of the second transfer window. The acquisitions of Nicholas Raskin and Todd Cantwell have started the process and it will now be ramped up as Beale wheels and deals. A chance to experiment. The title may be gone, but the requirement to perform and to win remains for Rangers and Beale's side cannot cruise towards the end of the campaign and let their standards slip before the summer break. The Englishman does, after all, need momentum to be maintained heading into the final stages of what has been a bruising campaign for supporters. Beale has stuck to a familiar blueprint for most of his reign. Once the treatment room cleared, a largely settled side was picked and confidence levels steadily started to rise. 
Beale will not rip it up and start again for the post-split fixtures. They do, though, give him a chance to work on different approaches and the time on the grass will be put to good use as the preparations for pre-season are finalised and Beale moulds the squad and side in his image. A plan to play two strikers has been muted on several occasions and tried a couple of times. There is also a feeling that a three-at-the-back formation, which was last seen during the closing stages of the win at Motherwell, could be a useful approach for Rangers going forward. Beale has shown his flexibility as a coach and a manager throughout his two spells at Ibrox and the quality of his work on the training park is often spoken about in glowing terms. The coming weeks offer a chance for his theories to be put into practice in the Premiership as Rangers develop an unpredictability into their play. Give kids a chance. The opportunity to tinker with the team just does not apply to the formation that Beale opts for. The coming weeks are a time for Beale to mix and match his selections too. The likes of Ridvan Yilmaz and John Suter need match minutes under their belts following their respective injury issues this term. Robbie McCrory should get a run as well. There will be a younger, fresher look about Rangers next term as Beale embarks on his rebuild and recruits heavily. That process should involve the best products of the academy. This should have been the campaign that Alex Lowry really established himself at first team level. For a variety of reasons, that hasn't happened and now he finds himself at a crossroads in his career. For Leon King, it has been a season of mixed emotions. He can be proud of his efforts in difficult circumstances during Van Rockhorst's reign and the Champions League experience will stand him in good stead going forward. He has not kicked a ball for Beale though. If he cannot feature in the final seven league outings, it perhaps points to him heading out on loan next term to take the required steps in his career. Adam Devine would benefit from a run of matches as he seeks to prove he can be a reliable backup for James Tavernier next term, and the likes of Bailey Rice, Robbie Ewer and Zach Lovelace will all be eyeing action after making their debuts earlier in the campaign. That article was written by Christopher Jack. This is from the Glasgow Times on Wednesday the 12th of April. From the sports section. Police respond to abuse of Kevin Clancy after Celtic versus Rangers. This article is written by Rebecca Newlands. Officers have issued a statement after the SFA reported alleged instances of threatening behaviour against Kevin Clancy. The referee's personal and professional contact details were leaked online following a 3-2 win for Celtic against Rangers on Saturday, which he refereed. The Football Association claims it received a series of unacceptable messages over the holiday weekend in relation to Clancy. After contacting the force to deal with the matter, which the SFA dubbed potentially criminal in nature, police have confirmed that they are investigating it. A statement shared on Tuesday reads, We are investigating alleged threatening communications which were reported to us by the SFA today. All reports of this nature are treated with the utmost seriousness and will be investigated thoroughly. We will provide support to those affected as our investigation progresses. After the SFA confirmed it had informed police of the alleged abuse, its chief executive, Ian Maxwell, said on Monday, The nature of the messages goes way beyond criticism of performance and perceived decision-making. Some are potentially criminal in nature and include threats and abuse towards Kevin and his family. We have referred the correspondence to the police and condemn this behaviour in the strongest possible terms, as well as the posting of a referee's personal details online with the sole purpose of causing distress. Football is our national game. It improves and saves lives. Without referees, there is no game. And while decisions will always be debated with or without the use of VAR, 
we cannot allow a situation to develop where a referee's privacy and safety and those of his family are compromised. We all have a responsibility to protect our game and those essential to it. That article was written by Rebecca Newlands. From the Glasgow Times, Thursday the 13th of April 2023, from the sports section, a hundred times worse, Dallas slams Clancy's Celtic v Rangers abuse. By David Irvin, former referee Hugh Dallas has claimed football fan threats have made a hundred times worse by social media as he blasted abuse faced by Clavin Clancy. The Scottish FA official was targeted by supporters after Celtic's 3-2 win over Rangers on Saturday with Police Scotland launching an investigation into alleged threatening communications. Hampton Chief Ian Maxwell had revealed threats had been made to Clancy and his family, with details of a referee's address shared online. Dallas, who required a police cordon at his family home after a Celtic v Rangers clash, was previously struck with a coin during a derby match and left bleeding after the incident. But he reckons abuse has only gotten worse in the time since the horror incident 24 years ago. He told the Daily Record, I think social media has made it a hundred times worse than it was in my time. Thankfully, in my day, we didn't have to contend with that. Yes, you'd get the odd phone call for, or a text message from somebody who'd managed to get hold of your mobile number. But you just deleted it and it was finished. But now it's out of control. If some moron is going to take the time to find out the referee's contact details, I don't want that guy turning up at my door. Because he's obviously unstable and that's pretty frightening. It's quite sad that you've got this type of person out there who obviously thinks it makes them feel better to get involved in this kind of stuff. But the impact it has on the individual on his family life, his personal life and his business life, is not pleasant at all. We can talk about how it affects recruitment and retention, and it will, but at the end of the day, there's a poor guy in the eye of the storm here, and he's a family and a business. It's just not on. The game finished at 2.30 on Saturday afternoon, and that's when his work should have been done. But here we are facing a situation which is spiralling out of control. Of course, people will always want to debate and discuss the big moments in matches. That's what football is all about. But this level of abuse is something that the game should not tolerate. When you've got these cowers who've gone to the trouble of finding out contact details and posting them online, the situation becomes totally unacceptable. He added, It was terrible. My family certainly never signed up for that. Neither did Kevin Clancy's family. Ian Maxwell, Scottish FA Chief Executive, said, the nature of the messages goes way beyond criticism of performance and perceived decision making. Some are potentially criminal in nature and include threats and abuse towards Kevin and his family. We have referred the correspondence to the police and condemned this behaviour in the strongest possible terms, as well as the posting of a referee's personal details online with the sole purpose of causing distress. Football is our national game. It improves and saves lives. Without referees, there is no game and... While decisions will always be debated with or without the use of VAR, we cannot allow a situation to develop where a referee's privacy and safety and those of his family are compromised. We all have a responsibility to protect our game and those essential to it. A Police Scotland statement on Tuesday read, We are investigating alleged threatening communications which were reported to us by the SFA today. All reports of this nature are treated with the utmost seriousness and will be investigated thoroughly. We will provide support to those affected as our investigation progresses. And that story was by David Irvin. From the Glasgow Times, Thursday the 13th of April 2023, from the sports section, Celtic Rangers and Dundee United put at ease over gambling sponsors ban by Ewan Payton, sports writer. There are no plans for a Scottish football ban on gambling sponsors. The SPFL has confirmed to the Herald and Times Sport that individual sponsorships are a matter for each club and there is no current prospect of a premiership-wide prescription of such deals. It comes as Premier League clubs collectively agreed to withdraw gambling sponsors from the front of a club's matchday shirts. The voluntary action will commence at the start of the 2026-27 season south of the border. There are eight current English top-flight clubs with gambling companies as shirt-front sponsors. This has an estimated value worth around £60 million per year. Celtic, Rangers and Dundee United have gambling sponsors in the front of their kits. 
Daffabet's logo is on the front of Celtic's jerseys, while Rangers have Unibet in 32 red. Dundee United has a partnership with Quinn Casino. However, there are currently no plans for Scottish football to follow suit of the Premier League, with sponsorship from gambling companies offering a significant source of income to clubs in this country. An SPFL spokesperson said, For many SPFL clubs, sponsorship from gambling companies is a significant source of income which helps us support their business models and enables investment in many of the important community activities which clubs undertake. Individual sponsorships are a matter for each club and there are no plans for a league-wide prescription of such deals. Clubs in the EPL will be allowed to secure new gambling sponsorship from the front of their shirts until the ban comes into play. Current sponsorship deals with gambling companies can remain in place for the next three years too. It is believed that gambling brands can feature in other areas of a football shirt going forwards, which includes shirt sleeves and advertising hoardings, beyond the 2025-26 campaign. A Premier League statement writes, Premier League clubs have today collectively agreed to withdraw gambling sponsorship from the front of clubs' matchday shirts, becoming the first sports league in the UK to take such a measure voluntarily in order to reduce gambling advertising. The announcement follows an extensive consultation involving the league, its clubs and the Department for Culture, Media and Sport as part of the government's ongoing review of current gambling legislation. The Premier League is also working with other sports on the development of a new code for responsible gambling sponsorship. To assist clubs with their transition away from shirtfront gambling sponsorship, the collective agreement will begin at the end of the 2025-26 season. And that was the report by Ewan Payton. From the Glasgow Times, Thursday the 13th of April 2023, from the sports section, Craig McPherson banned by SFA after Celtic vs Rangers headbutt. Report by Ewan Payton. Rangers women's coach Craig McPherson has learned his fate following his recent flashpoint with Celtic's head coach Fran Alonso. The former Morton and Falkirk players hearing with the Scottish FA's disciplinary panel happened earlier today. And the Jairs member of staff has been banned for six games following a headbutt aimed at Alonso. The incident was caught by TV cameras following a 1-1 draw between Celtic and Rangers women's teams last month. The SFA charge under the disciplinary rule 77 reads, a recognised football body, club, official, team official, other member of team staff, player, match official or other person under the jurisdiction of the Scottish FA shall, at all times, act in the best interests of association football. Furthermore, such a person or body shall not act in any manner which is improper or use any one or a combination of violent conduct, serious fair play, threatening, abusive, indecent or insulting words or behaviour. Police have also, ha- also have an investigation ongoing into the incident. McPherson had previously released an apology over the incident. He stated, I would like to offer a full and unreserved apology for my actions at the end of Monday's derby match at Broadwood. I know I have severely let myself, our team and the club down. I hold myself to the highest standards and I've never done anything like this before in a long coaching career and I know I fell way short of, of that with my actions. This club is also built on incredibly high standards and I have already apologised to the board, the football staff and our fantastic group of players who I care about dearly. I would also like to apologise to the Rangers fans I am aware of what a privilege it is to represent this club in any capacity and I am sorry that on this occasion I did not uphold the standards this club demands. I also understand how exciting a time it is for the women's game in Scotland which I have come to care passionately about and I apologise for any negativity my actions have brought in our attempts to grow the game. Finally, I am also very grateful to Fran Alonso for accepting my apology in full following her lengthy conversation earlier in the week. I will also apologise to the Scottish FA at my hearing and will, of course, accept in full whatever punishment they deem appropriate. I simply want to apologise today, convey my massive regret and explain how out of character this moment has been for me. Probed on the incident, Rangers boss Michael Beale said at the time, I didn't see it live. I haven't seen it since. I've obviously been told about it. I know with the SFA and Rangers there's this ongoing discussion around it. All I would say on Craig is that he is out, it's out of character for him. I think everyone who knows him in Scotland knows him as a man, knows it's out of character.
the SFA, the club and Craig are having discussions about it. I personally haven't spoken to him on it. And that was a report by Ewan Payton. From the Glasgow Times on Thursday the 13th of April 2023, in the sports section, Ex-Rangers and Hibs striker Cummings targeted for big money India move by Mark Walker. Jason Cummings would become the third highest paid player in Indian football if he accepts a lucrative offer from Mohan Bagan. The former Hibs, Rangers, Dundee and Scotland striker is expected to leave Central Coast Mariners in Australia after their owner revealed this week he had several interested parties in him from numerous countries. But ambitious Kolkata outfit Mohan Bagan has made Cummings, who played for Australia during the World Cup, their number one target to be their marquee signing after winning the Indian Super League playoff this year. The club are owned by Indian billionaire Sanjeev Goenka, who immediately announced after winning the playoffs his team would be rebranded as Mohan Bagan Super Giants for next season. And reports in India have suggested he will offer Cummings £9,500 a week to pay for his club. The current top earner in Indian football is Uruguayan playmaker Adrian Luna, who earned £13,000 a week. And then Dimitri Petratos, who is also an Australia international, who plays for Mohun Bagan and picks up £10,500 a week. And Cummings would be next in the list of high, high earners in India. Goenka said after winning the playoffs, we need to evolve every year and the plan is to bring in two marquee signings for next season. The 27-year-old has scored 17 goals for his club in just 25 appearances this season and has a release clause despite having a year left on his contract with Central Coast Mariners, promising not to stand in his way if he opts to leave. And that report was by Mark Walker. From the Glasgow Times, Thursday the 13th of April 2023, from the sports section, Lisbon Lion praises Celtic striker Kyogo Furuhashi by Aidan MacDonald. Lisbon Lion Willie Wallace has praised Celtic forward Kyogo Furuhashi, calling him outstanding. The 82-year-old, who was part of the hoop side that won the European Cup in 1967, rates the Japan international very highly. Wallace identified the role the ex-Vissel Kobe plays in the Parkhead attack and also reckons the player will reach the 50-goal mark for the club soon. Speaking to the Scottish Sun, he said, When I first saw Kyogo, I thought he would be a jinky type forward. He's small, quick, full of skill and he can finish too. He's been outstanding for Ange and Celtic. Kyogo hasn't taken long to get close to that 50 mark and he deserves to join all the great players in doing that. Bert Herdman, my old Wraith Rovers manager, used to have a saying about strikers like Kyogo. He would say, He's only got one trick and that's scoring goals. You just look at Kyogo at the weekend. He got three chances and he put them all away. The first one was offside, but he came back for more and his two goals were deadly. Kyogo's movement is excellent around the box. He finished off the cutback really well for the first, and then he was sharp for the second. That shows he's an all-round striker. He can score different types of goals, but he's also a team player. He works so hard for Celtic in attack, and that's a big reason for the way they dom can dominate teams. Meanwhile, Celtic forward Sead Haskabanovic has revealed that there's more to come from him at the club. The Montenegrin international has five goals and four in four assists and 32 appearances for the Scottish champions so far this season. He arrived from Russian side Ruben Kazan last summer and has found himself in and out of the hoops starting 11. But the 23-year-old field there is still plenty to come from him going forward. Speaking to Celtic TV, he said, I'm enjoying myself. As I've said before, I know there's more to come and I'm just going to wait until I get my chance to start games. So there's more to come, but I'm very happy to be here. I know we have a good squad of players, a big squad, so I'm just waiting for my time. I'm training hard and improving myself out there. And that report was by Aidan MacDonald. From the Glasgow Times, Thursday the 13th of April 2023, Sport. Michael Beale and Rangers lost a good ally, Ross Wilson, admission. By sports writer Ewan Payton. Michael Beale concedes he's lost a good ally in the shape of Ross Wilson. The Rangers manager admits he's disappointed to see the 39-year-old depart the Ibrox club for Nottingham Forest. The sporting director last night moved to the Premier League club to replace Filippo Giraldi 
in its senior football role at the city ground. The move brought to an end his four-year spell in Glasgow with the light blues. He may have come under fire from large portions of the Rangers' support for his policy over recruiting players. However, Beale was sad to lose Wilson to Forrest. Firstly, you're disappointed to lose a good person, someone I've worked with over the last three and a half years, over two spells at the club, Beale explained. Ross was hugely positive in his day-to-day work here at the club and he brought a lot of the departments together. His job was to oversee first-team football operations, recruitment, medical, the academy, the women's teams and bring all of that in line. We've seen good success from the time that he was here. He was influential in me coming back in and he's a person I probably spoke to the most out of anybody at Rangers and it was between me and the board. I feel like I've lost a good ally. One thing I would say is that a big strength of Ross is that he never micromanaged anybody. He allowed people to grow in their role and do it to the fullest. In the short term there will be a void in terms of Ross leaving but the heads of departments are ready to step into the role. A lot of planning for pre-season and recruitment for next season has already been done. I've been aware for the last couple of weeks. I'm disappointed for Rangers that Ross has moved on. On a personal level I'm happy for him and his family that he feels this is a challenge he'd like to take. Having known Ross for as long as I have, I know this isn't the first opportunity to have come his way. So, if he feels this is the right thing for him, then we wish him well. We feel that he did a good job here, but now it's time to move forward strongly. As stated, Beale insists Rangers recruitment plans for the summer transfer window are already tied up. The former QPR boss admitted that all the relevant planning meetings with regards to bringing in players ahead of next season had already happened prior to Wilson's move down south. Bill told Rangers TV, In terms of recruitment and targets, Ross and I have been working closely on that. We've got an extensive recruitment team and analysis to start that collected the data. Meetings have already been had and recruitment in pre-season has very much been finalised. Now it's just ticking one or two boxes on areas. Maybe some players see their futures elsewhere. The main part of the recruitment process in terms of identifying players has already happened. Now, it's about executing those deals. He added, he doesn't play and score goals on the pitch, but he does give positivity around the environment. I will fill that void as manager and oversee some of the departments for the moment, strongly supported by Stuart Robertson and John Bennett and the board. We have a really experienced staff. Ross allowed people to flourish in their roles as heads of departments. So the heads of departments will naturally step up and then we'll see how we go. There is only a small portion of the season to go and then we'll assess everything in the summer as any club would do in terms of their structure. Nothing changes massively in terms of the team preparation, that's on me, in terms of the training and how we're going to play and approach each game. That's on me and my management team. We've trained well this week and it's work as normal in that aspect. In terms of the game this weekend at home to St Mirren, Corner goes home won't be back in time to return to the starting eleven. Beale expects his star centre half to be back fit for the Aberdeen game a week on Sunday. Providing a fitness update, the manager said, From last weekend, Connor won't return. He'll be more likely to back to back for Aberdeen, or certainly the semi final at the end of the month. We've got one or two bumps and bruises and players didn't train this morning. There was a game on Tuesday against Chelsea Reserves in which Scott Wright, Yanis Hadji, Leon King and Rabi Matondo were able to play and get some valuable minutes. So we'll assess again, then pick the squad for the weekend. And that was a report by Ewan Payton. From the Glasgow Times, Thursday the 13th of April 2023, from the sports section, Rangers getting too much praise for Celtic loss, says Andy Walker. Report by Ewan Payton. Rangers received too much praise for their performance against Celtic last weekend. That's the viewpoint of former hoop striker Andy Walker. The Sky Sports pundit and commentator believes Michael Beale's side never looked like winning the Derby game. Despite an improved showing against their arch rivals and running Celtic close, the Ibrox club ultimately still lost the game 3-2. And Walker insists that all that matters is when all is said and done. He told Go Radio's football show, When all is said and done, it's all about results. I watched Rangers last week and I think they're getting too much praise. They get beat. I don't think they ever looked like winning against Celtic. 
I thought their pacing game and the closing down was good. It was a different approach to the one we saw in the League Cup final. I didn't ever think Rangers were going to win the game at any stage. Fellow pundit Stephen McGinn added, I agree with Andy. I watched the game back and the narrative you heard on the radio was that Rangers had played really well. They were definitely good off the ball. They worked hard in stopping Callum McGregor on the ball. They unsettled Celtic at times. I thought for 10 or 15 minutes in the second half they played well. I never felt from open play they were going to score. That's where all their danger came from, set pieces. I thought the team was wrong. Sakala is the one player in a team that can cause Celtic problems in the way they defend. You think of the winning goal in the cup semi-final of last year. He can get goals out of nothing which he has proved this season. They didn't play well with the ball. And that report was by Ewan Payton. That concludes this week's edition of the Glasgow Times Sports Podcast. Please remember to subscribe to our channels at Review, and to tell your friends about our service.